Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. Hi, I'm Jen White, and this is Reset. As the COVID-19 crisis continues to evolve, the nation faces a difficult trade-off. Keep the economy closed and prolong economic hardship, or reopen the economy and risk a resurgence of the virus. But Catherine Baker and her colleagues say there's another option. Use cell phone tracking data to figure out when and where different businesses are safe to reopen. Baker is the dean of the University of Chicago Harris School of Public Policy. She and her colleagues outlined their research in a recent New York Times op-ed called, Is It Safer to Visit a Coffee Shop or a Gym? Hi, Dean Baker. Welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me. We know the whys of this research, so let's talk about the hows. And my first question are, and my first question is, are there some limitations to using cell phone data? Absolutely. And we started with cell phone data because there's so much rich granularity on how many people are together in the same place at the same time, how long they stay, where they're traveling from. This is really important information, but it has important limitations. First, you have to make sure that you're capturing all of the activity across different neighborhoods, different demographic groups, and you have to be sure that it's representative of higher and lower income areas, different types of businesses. But also, it doesn't capture things like whether people going to those businesses are touching the same objects, are interacting with each other physically, are indoors or outdoors. So we gathered some extra data to supplement the cell phone data by surveying people to gauge how much contact there is within different kinds of businesses to further understand what the real transmission risk would be. What are some of the big differences in the risks posed by different businesses? Well, there's some things that you might guess, but some things that are kind of surprising. Just seeing how many people go to a given business doesn't really capture the risk because it's very different for lots of people to come in a small a window of time versus being spread out over the whole day. So something like the original pancake house where people are there for breakfast or lunch versus a fast food restaurant where they're coming in all day might pose different kinds of risk and require different kinds of precautions. Or thinking about malls, people come from all over to go to a mall, whereas a grocery store or a convenience store, they tend to come from a local neighborhood and have probably interacted with a very similar set of people already. Were there any surprises in the data you came across? Well, I think we realized how important it was to understand patterns of visiting businesses and dwell time, how long people stay there to understand how much interaction there is between people. And that highlights some opportunities to also modify business as usual to minimize risks. We've seen that already in the restaurant industry where people are doing curbside pickup or takeout rather than dining in. Lots of grocery stores are metering people in so that there aren't too many people in the grocery store at the same time. 
there are opportunities for other businesses to do that as we understand better which ones are of highest risk. So for example, an electronics store, people tend to stay for longer, browse more, pick up more of the same gadgets and objects. Whereas at a, a home goods store, maybe people are going in to get the thing they need and leaving right away. And there's both less browsing and less common touching of objects. So that kind of detail we hope will be really informative for policymakers. And the thing that I think gave us the most hope was that there's such variation in the risk posed by different businesses that that means we can open a lot of businesses with minimal health risk. And that gives us a way to restart the economy without undoing all of the good that we've done by staying at home. So again, you collected this information through cell phone data. Anytime we're talking about our personal data, issues around privacy arise. How are you able to get a hold of this data, but also protect the privacy of cell phone users? Of course, and that's vitally important. And I know everyone is worried about balancing privacy concerns with public health concerns for all sorts of data from cell phones to testing to um, quarantine results. We are using aggregated data. So we don't have any individual identifier information. We don't know people's names or their addresses or any specifics about them. Nonetheless, these are very sensitive data because you know who's going to what, lo you, you know which cell phone is going to which location, not by the cell phone's telephone number, but by a, a unique identifier that's not telling you anything about the person. So of course, these data are stored incredibly securely and access to them is limited, even though they are not at the individual level and there are no individual identifiers associated with them. And I think that there's some hope with a lot of the technology people are experimenting with in terms of proximity detection and contact tracing that we can use some of the more sophisticated analytical techniques to map out where contagion risk is without revealing personal information and without violating people's privacy. And, and we need to be able to do both things, manage public health and preserve confidentiality and privacy. How complete of a picture does this research give us around which businesses may be safer to go to than, than others? Is this enough on its own or do you need to look at some other elements as well? This is definitely not enough on its own, and I'm glad you're clarifying that. We think this is a really important piece of information to help develop more nuanced tools for policymakers, but it has to be combined with lots of other information, too. So we're giving information about where the most contact is occurring, but how that contact translates to health outcomes depends on all sorts of public health uh, infrastructure and circumstances. So if hospitals are overwhelmed, if there's a shortage of ICU beds and personal protective equipment and staff working in the healthcare system, there's a much di more dire consequence of increased exposure. When better treatments become available, the consequences of increased exposure may be mitigated. So th there are all sorts of epidemiological and public health infrastructure factors that should combine with this to say what the health risk is. But then on the other side of the equation is the economic benefit. How many jobs are at stake? How much of people's livelihoods would be affected by opening or closing this business? That information is also available for policymakers, but we're working to put all those pieces together so that policymakers can have a more complete picture of understanding the risks and the benefits of opening different businesses sector by sector. 
Dean Baker, Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker recently came out with a new five-phase plan for reopening the state. We're currently in phase two. Uh, that's of the Restore Illinois plan. And this is where non-essential retail stores can reopen for curbside pickup and delivery. Residents are required to wear a face covering. Uh, your thoughts on the plan? I think it's really smart to be thinking at a local level, geographic area by geographic area, because lots of things are going to vary from town to town, from city to city, from area to area. The public health conditions I mentioned will vary a lot in terms of the prevalence of the disease, how many people have already gotten it and been cleared, how much health system capacity there is, how vulnerable the local populations are, and also the traffic at different businesses in different parts of the state is going to look different. One of the things our study revealed is that those contact patterns are really variable, both between sectors, but also within sectors in different parts of the country. So being able to combine the granular information about what risk different businesses pose with the geography of what the health system looks like and what the population looks like, I think would give policymakers an even more um, careful and targeted set of tools to use. And of course, starting off with modified business activity like curbside pickup really mitigates the risk of a lot of different businesses. But we think having more information about where the risk lies would also unleash creativity and ingenuity by business owners and operators to think about how they could modify the way they do business to lower those risks and thus be able to open even sooner than they would otherwise. Well, Governor Pritzker's plan divides the state into four regions, and it's using metrics uh, around testing, hospital admissions, and hospital resources to move any given region from one phase to another. But but what I hear you saying is is that your research shows there's maybe a, a level beyond that. Rather than thinking just in terms of geographical locations, we need to think about it business by business. I think that's right, that there's even more that can be done. And the factors that you mentioned that the governor is considering seem like really important factors to incorporate. And that thinking about system capacity and disease burden in different parts of the state is a really good way to start. We're hoping to give an additional set of levers that the governor or the mayor or people in other states could also use to layer on top of that as business starts to resume to focus on where the risks are sector to sector. And it's probably, you could think about it business to business, should this grocery store open? That's probably not practical. And also when one grocery store opens, it changes the patterns of shopping across all grocery stores. So it probably makes more sense to think sector by sector within areas. And you, you could put these into the same kind of phases or red, yellow, green type buckets that policymakers are using to say, okay, with this level of disease burden, with this level of stress on the healthcare system, these are the kinds of businesses that can open with this kind of protection. The Chicago mayor, Lori Lightfoot, is expected to announce the city's plan for reopening sometime soon. Are there specific concerns Chicago should take into account that, that's unique to the city and how its residents move about? I think there are a couple of things that are important in thinking about a city like Chicago. I mentioned earlier the importance of evaluating and being uh, 
keenly aware of disparate impacts, both in terms of the risk that populations face in different parts of the city and in terms of the type of businesses that are most likely to be affected. We want to give policymakers tools that don't tell them just what would happen to Chicago, but what would happen on the south side? What would happen downtown? What would happen on the west side? Understanding how local neighborhoods are affected can be a really powerful set of information for policymakers who are trying to decide how to phase reopening. And both Chicago and Illinois are wisely thinking about a phased approach rather than just turning the lights back on, which I think all public health experts would agree is incredibly dangerous at this point. So those phases are a great vehicle for thinking in a targeted way. Let's start by reopening these kinds of businesses with these kinds of rules, like uh, limiting the density of people in the business at a given moment, like requiring face coverings as we're doing, or like letting some businesses do pick up or curbside delivery and letting others return to more business as usual because there's actually very little risk posed by them. Is this research complicated at all by the fact that we're seeing really a state-to-state -state approach to reopening the economy. And, and you may have um, neighborhoods that are just across a border from one another where residents can move very freely from state to state. How does that complicate this? You're pointing to a really important um, dichotomy or, or compete, set of competing factors in that all of these decisions in some ways are local because health system capacity is local, infection rates are local, population vulnerability is local. So there probably isn't one policy that's appropriate for the whole country. But people move around. Any jurisdiction that you highlight, if you're thinking about Illinois, clearly we're affected in Illinois by people in Indiana and vice versa. We're less affected by people in Rhode Island. So thinking about decisions on a a regional basis that takes into account real migration patterns or mobility patterns, I think is particularly important. And for population centers like Chicago, there's a lot of policy that makes sense to be made at the Chicago level. I think we need a more national approach to moving resources around. When you think about shortages in some areas, there's some areas that have way too few ventilators and some areas that have ventilators they could lend. Moving those around the country to meet acute need, moving healthcare providers to the extent possible around the country to meet acute need, that's a great way to deploy resources as effectively as possible. But policies about which businesses are open or closed probably make sense to do at a more local level. What advice do you have for businesses uh, when they're thinking about how to reopen, no matter, you know, whatever region they, they're in or, you know, what phase that region may be in? Anything they can think about now to try to prepare for reopening to make it safer for their customers? I think that thinking about both their employees and their customers is going to be crucial for the safety of both parties involved and for the comfort and confidence that customers have in coming to that location. So all of the tools that people are currently using, like distancing between customers, gloves, masks, all of those are really useful. But there are also probably lots of other strategies that can reduce risk, that can help lower the density of people's interacting or reduce the touching of common objects, and that's going to vary a lot business to business. In many ways, unleashing the entrepreneurial 
innovative spirit of business operators is going to be a really helpful new set of tools. It's going to require monitoring and evaluation by public health experts and officials and epidemiologists to say, is this really lowering risk? Is this really appropriate? But I think this disease is going to be with us for a long time. And we need to be thinking about new ways of doing business that are sustainable, that let us return to a level of lower hardship and greater prosperity while acknowledging things are going to have to be different from how they were in the past. And we have probably just begun to scratch the surface of what those new ways of doing business are going to look like. Well, Dean Baker, too often we see policy that's driven by anecdote and not by research and data. How are you sharing this data with elected officials? We would love for this to be used by elected officials at all levels of government. So we've been uh, talking to the media and we're really grateful to have opportunities to talk with you and your listeners. We're also talking directly with policymakers in Illinois and in other states as well. And we're trying to build dashboards that policymakers can use to assess both the health risks and the economic consequences of sector by sector business opening. So if Any public official out there listening wants to get in touch with us, we would love to help as much as we can and provide data that you can use to make decisions to benefit the people who live in your area. That's Dean Catherine Baker of the University of Chicago Harris School of Public Policy. Dean Baker, thanks for speaking with us and stay safe. You too. Thank you. And that's today's Reset. For the most up-to-date and accurate coverage of the COVID-19 pandemic, tune to WBEZ at 91.5 FM or stream us at WBEZ.org. Be smart, stay safe, and let's talk again soon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.